Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you're joining us and have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, all right? I want you to hold one spot in Philippians chapter three and the other in Romans chapter five. We're in part three of a series called The Ultimate, and here's the big idea. You and I have limited time. You and I have one life, and both of us wanna live that life to the fullest. In other words, you and I want to live out, as men, the best imaginable or ultimate life. But here's the question. What does that look like? Does it mean if it feels good, if it sounds good, if it looks good, do that or live for the immediate, live for our impulses, live for our appetites? Or on the other hand, does it mean as God's man that we follow Christ, that we live for eternity, that we follow God's plan, we do things that glorify him and that please him. That, the Bible says, is living for the ultimate. So that's why this series is called The Ultimate. And this session, we're gonna talk about another game-changing factor that helps God's man who wants to live for Christ and who wants to live for eternity win the battle between living for the immediate and living for the ultimate. And just to kind of get us thinking in this direction, I think we can all agree that when you have a strong hope, that hope fuels, that hope drives, that hope increases motivation and it drives actions, right? Another way of saying it uh, might be that hope provides power. Let me give you an example, right? You hope to have a relationship with the girl of your dreams. So you risk asking her out. Where did the power come from to take that risk? A relational hope. Or let's just go to the workplace. You hope to get a bonus check this month. So you call on a customer that could potentially buy and use a lot of what you have to sell. So you smile and dial, you make the call. Why did you do that? you had a financial hope, all right? Let's use one more example. Just to say, you wanna drop some weight, you wanna get heart healthy, right? Because you wanna live a long time. So you buy a gym membership, you start training, you show up, you stop filling your face with fries, you start eating the right things, drinking more water. Why did you do that? Why did you change your lifestyle? Because you have a physical hope. So those are just some everyday examples of how we will risk and the direction of our hope, whether it's a relational hope, a financial hope, or a physical hope for health. You see, here's the principle. When you have a hope-filled expectation of a result, you adjust your behavior, right? You take risks. Why? To reach an ultimate goal, all right? Now, how does that relate to this series, this session? Well, the Bible reveals that God's man lives for the ultimate and the eternal when, listen, he possesses a hope that is stronger than the immediate and the temporal, all right? And what's the result? When you possess a hope that's stronger and ultimate and it defeats the immediate and the temporal, all right? You move and take risks in the direction of that strong hope. So let me tell you where we're headed in today's study. Like parts one and two, we're gonna get God's mind from God's word on living the ultimate life. And then we're gonna look at some common denominators 
all right, the common denominator of all ultimate men. And then we're gonna talk about, real simple, how to win the battle. So if you have the downloaded notes, I want you to take those out. We're gonna get God's mind on living the ultimate life. And we're gonna go to that passage in Philippians chapter three, if you're in your Bible, it's verses seven through 14, where God's man is talking about a transition of how he used to live for the the immediate and how he now lives for the ultimate. And I want you to just put on uh, some ears here and see if you can pick up kind of some elements of that transition. Starting in verse seven of Philippians chapter three, it says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all that or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a powerful passage of scripture. And let me just encourage you, beyond this session and study, to really dive in to Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 14. This is one of the first passages of scripture that I committed to memory, why? Because it trained me to think about the immediate and what I was chasing before I knew Christ to the ultimate and how God has called me heavenward. So let's unpack a little bit what the ultimate life for God involves. Number one, the ultimate life for God involves a new math of significance. Did you know that every one of us is in this search for significance? And when you you listen to Paul's language, he puts it uh, in terms of um, losing and gaining significance, losing immediate or cultural significance and gaining ultimate and eternal significance. He has this accounting language of loss and gain, all right? He's lost living for the immediate, and now he's living and gaining uh, the ultimate. And the way you you process that as a man of God, the way Paul processed it here in this passage is, am I doing things to get the attention drawn to myself, or am I doing things, listen, for the sake of Christ? I'm gonna say that one more time. Am I doing things to draw attention to myself? That's living for the immediate. Or am I doing things for the sake and for the attention of Christ? That's living for the ultimate. So that's the first thing in this transition of immediate to ultimate. That's what it involves. When you come to know Christ, 
right? You stop doing things that draw attention to you and you start doing things for the sake of and for the attention of and to point people to Christ. Secondly, the ultimate life for God involves a new priority of relationship. Four times in this short passage, Paul puts at the center his relationship with Christ, right? He wants to know Christ. He says that two times. He wants to gain Christ. He wants to be found in Christ. And then at the end, he talks about being called heavenward in Christ. In this short passage, you can see that one relationship has taken over the center of a man's life. And that's what the ultimate life involved. A new priority of relationship where Christ is the number one consider consideration relationally. It's the first person that you think of, all right? Number three, the ultimate life for God involves a new process of transforming. You see that Paul talks about him wanting to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, listen, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And so what's the process now for him transforming as a man? What's the process of personal change? Well, the process of transformation and the process of personal change involves fully identifying with Christ's person and work, right? Jesus dies for sin. What's my process now? I die to sin. Jesus resurrects and becomes physically alive, right? I become alive to God's purposes. Now, he dies for sin, I die to sin. He comes alive, I come alive to God's, to God's purposes. Now, I resurrect. And that's why when you read in the Bible, I've been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It just means that he dies to sin, he dies for sin, I die to sin. Then it says in the Bible where we have been resurrected with Christ. There's this full identification with him. We identify with his crucifixion. We identify with his resurrection. What does that mean? Well, when I die to sin, I come alive to God's purposes, right? We switch from the immediate to the ultimate, right? Fourth, the ultimate life for God involves a new perspective on my journey. What I love about the Apostle Paul and uh, what he says here is that he says, I haven't arrived, right? Good news, right? For every guy watching this, uh, this, this video podcast, right? I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived, but what he says is, I may not be perfect, I might not have arrived, but I'm pressing in. I'm pressing on toward the upward call or the call heavenward in Christ Jesus, okay? So, very cool passage that illustrates the transition of a man who was living for the immediate titles, position, uh, status, socially, culturally. Then he transitions and he comes to know Christ. Then it just goes, whoop. Now he's not living for the immediate right? He's not living for status on earth. He's living for reward in heaven. And it's rooted in this relationship with Christ, this transforming identification of fully identifying with his life and his death and his resurrection as a process of transformation. 
And now he's got a perspective on his journey while he's on earth, right? Not perfect, never gonna be, but he is going to press on to win the prize, the ultimate life for which God has called him heavenward, the ultimate place in Christ Jesus. Now, what do, what, what do we do with that type of thinking? Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3.15. He says, all of us then, look at, look at the classification, who are mature should take such a view of things. So the Bible, God's word, here in Philippians chapter 3, says that immediate thinking and immediate living, living for my impulses, living for my appetites, right? If it feels good, do it. Sounds good, I'm going to do it. Looks good, I'm going to do it. Living for the immediate is synonymous with immaturity. And can I just say something culturally? That's what people label as toxic masculinity. Men who have man-sized bodies, men who have man-sized responsibilities, men who have man-sized influence, right? But they have the character of a boy. And inevitably, when you put those two together, influence, power, wealth, significance, and boy size maturity on the inside, inevitably the people around those men will be abused and they will suffer because those men don't know how to use their influence and their significance for good in the people and the, in the lives of others, right? Now, on the opposite side, the Apostle Paul is saying, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of these things. We should have a new math of significance. We should have a new priority of relationship, all right? With Christ at the center. We should have a new process of transforming. We need to fully identify with the person and work of Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. He dies for sin, I die to sin. He, 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 he lives and resurrects, I live and resurrect to God's purposes. I'm alive now, fully, living for the ultimate, living for God's purposes, and I realize that this is the journey, all right? Living for the ultimate, Paul says, is synonymous with maturity, all right? Because that's the truest thing about this life. The truest thing about this life is what God says is true, and so there's just God's mind from God's word. And I just have to kind of wrap this first section up of getting God's mind on the immediate versus the ultimate. If you want no regrets in the end, you got to start living for the ultimate in the now. That's Paul's sort of meta point here in this passage in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. All right. So now... Let's look at our next game-changing factor if you're God's man and if you want to live the ultimate life. And it's right there on your downloaded notes. It says this, the common denominator for all ultimate men is an ultimate hope. And now we circle back kind of to our introductory sort of theme, which is how hope provides power. Hope fuels motivation we take risks in the direction of our hope. And our passage, to kind of look at this common denominator for ultimate men, how they have an ultimate hope, is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know 
that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so now what we want to do is we want to see the power of ultimate hope and what it does inside the life of God's man. And the first thing ultimate hope gives God's man is new peace. Write that down. That's the first sentence in this passage in verse 1. Paul writes, two men of faith, two people of faith, therefore, since we, people of faith, have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Ultimate hope. Hope in Christ. Hope in eternity. You know that should give you? Peace. Peace about death. Peace about the future. Peace about your sin being forgiven. Peace about your ultimate home, whether you make it home from the drive home from work or whether you live a long life and your heart stops. You have your purpose, that's peace. You have forgiveness, that's peace. You know who you are, that's peace. You know what to do, that's peace. Live for the ultimate. You know where you're going. That's peace. You know, there are a lot of us right now in today's society that we're living so anxiously. Want to know why? Because we're putting our hope in the wrong things. There's a direct connection between whatever your strongest hope is and your level of anxiety. And if your hope is not ultimate, if your hope is not in the person of Christ and his work for you and what that means for you, for your future, you're gonna live anxiously. If you don't know how your ultimate hope infuses you with worth, you're gonna live anxiously and chase worth. You're just not gonna know. But if you have a relationship with God and you're justified through faith in him, the Bible says that you have peace with God. Question, do you have peace with God? Or maybe you've lost it. It's escaped you because you're trying to get peace through a better rearrangement of your circumstances, better rearrangement of your bank account, better rearrangement of your family situation, better location, gotta move to a new place to get more peace. Guess what, everywhere you go, there you are. A better rearrangement of your circumstances doesn't solve anxiety inside. The things outside of us, men, cannot solve the dilemmas within us, but if you have ultimate hope, that goes a long way to delivering peace into your heart. Secondly, as we read in Romans 5, ultimate hope gives us a new place. So we have a new peace, um, and now we have a new place. We're just following the passage along. It says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Wow, that's so cool. That place of grace is amazing. We should write a song about that. Amazing grace, right? That's why that song is played 
in so many contexts because that's what we need before God. You have a person who is dead in their transgressions and sins and they're powerless to help themselves and then in comes God's grace and it just flips where you stand now with God. You go from being separated with God, right, and separated from him for eternity to grace enters the picture, right? His favor comes on you through the person and work of Christ. That flips, and now you stand at peace with God and in the grace of God. That's what hope gives us. Ultimate hope in Christ gives you a new peace and a new place. Number three, ultimate hope gives us a new future. So it says, we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And then verse two goes on and says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That's your future. We boast in the hope, right? That's a future thing of the glory of God. Hey, I have peace with God. I have standing with God. I'm in the place of grace. Now I boast in the hope of the glory of God. That's my future, right? That's your future. If you know Christ, right, your hope is the glory of God. Jesus appears, you appear. Jesus lives forever, you live forever. That's your future. And it's just this this domino of blessing, that ultimate hope, living for God, knowing Christ gives us new peace. Say it with me, new peace, new place, new future, all right? What's the next thing ultimate hope gives us? Ultimate hope gives us next, new knowledge. I love how the passage goes on. I'll just reflect on verse two and I'll lead us in. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God right? Verse three, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know, circle that, suffering produces perseverance, right? Now we're getting into how ultimate hope really works for us on earth, right? The apostle Paul says, hey, I have new peace. I have a new place. I'm in grace. I have a new future, But listen to this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance. Suffering actually has a purpose. And the Bible talks about that a lot in Romans chapter eight. And we know, right, there's that new knowledge. We believers, now we know, right, that all things work together for the good of those who love God for those who are called according to his purpose, right? So now, even in the brokenness and loss and traumas and injustices of earth, because of the brokenness, loss, and injustice Jesus suffered, and how God transformed that from being an immediate loss into our ultimate gain, right? Looked like a loss, right? Guy dies, but God takes that loss and trauma and injustice and turns it into a gain. We place our faith in him, and now we're fully identified with God taking our losses, our trauma, 
the pain, the injustices of earth, and turning that around too. And in this context, because we know suffering, God's using suffering to produce perseverance. All right? So, new peace, new place, new future, new knowledge. That's what ultimate hope gives. Let's look at the next thing. Ultimate hope also gives new character. And it, it goes along those lines where God has purpose in our suffering. So I'm going to start with verse 3 and then move to 4 and 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance. All right, here we go. Here comes the character. Perseverance, character, and character what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Can I just explain to you guys how awesome God's purpose of using ultimate hope to enter into experiences that don't go our way, difficulties, delays, trials, and tribulation, when our hope in God comes into that situation and we have that new knowledge, so we got, okay, doesn't feel good, confusing, maybe disillusioning, but we know that God is using that difficulty, that delay, that tribulation, that trial. He's using it to do something in me, right? Ultimately, that if I wasn't going through it, wouldn't occur. He's shaping my character. I mean, you guys, I think, can all agree, problems never leave us the way they find us. But usually that cuts two ways. Your problems can leave you bitter or your problems can make you better. Right? You can learn from them. You can persevere in them and come out of them with the diamond. Come out of it with the pearl of growth that had you not been through that, you wouldn't have come out of it with that pearl, that diamond, that new part of you that now is changed because of, because of the process. You see, guys, there's power. There's power in the process. And power as a man, can I just tell you, is when you get new character. When you get new character, that, that stuff inside of you that allows you under pressure to say no to yourself and say yes to God and other people. And you know that kind of character, that kind of growth, never anything to be ashamed about there. But you know what is a shame? What is a shame is when you don't have ultimate hope and you have a trial which God says is going to enter your life. At some point, life is going to bowling ball you. Things aren't going to work out the way you expected. Somebody is going to hurt you. There's going to be some injustice that doesn't make sense. It's confusing and disillusioning. And then you take that, and instead of remembering your ultimate hope in Christ, and that God can use this, even though he may not have desired it or caused it, he wants to use it to bring you to a new place of character so that your new character can now meet a new demand of reality. You know why guys tap out and get divorces? Do you know why guys just give up on their marriage and intimacy there and, and run to porn? They do it because their character is not able to meet the demands of their reality. The changes that need to be made in a marriage to make one work, the the actions that need to be taken out of a good character and a changed character to bring real intimacy. And so what do we do? We 
we tap out, we say, ah, I can't do that, that's too hard. And then we go to false hope, right? False porn, right? Another false relationship that's outside of the will of God. Men, I know I'm talking to hundreds of guys out there. Stop it, don't. Don't tap out. God's got meaning and purpose. And if you're in the middle of the pressure, all right, pressure produces results. That pressure is gonna go somewhere. It's gonna go to into you and an ultimate purpose, changing, transforming you, or it's going to push you in a direction of those false fountains, in the direction of the immediate. Don't listen to the immediate voice right now, guys, under pressure. Listen to the ultimate voice. God's like, I love you. I know this sucks. I have a purpose. If I can take that crucifixion and turn it into a resurrection, I can take this adversity that you're in and I'm present in it and I can bring an ultimate result, but you gotta have ultimate hope in me. Let's look at the last thing ultimate hope gives. Ultimate hope gives a new foundation, all right? So kind of transitioning from from verse four into verse five, perseverance brings character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame. Here we go, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been giving, given to us. So we see that the foundation of all ultimate hope, all right, is God's love. How do we know God's love and how do we know that he loves us? Through the person and work of Christ. God giving his only son, the person of his son, the work of his son on our behalf to give us hope, sins forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven, it's a lot of ultimate hope, right? And when we receive that for ourselves, this foundation gets poured into us. And that foundation of ultimate hope and life is called God's love. God's love. I'm fully accepted. I'm fully loved by the ultimate person ever. God himself, my creator, my maker. My maker loves me. God's love has been poured into my heart and it moves from my head down into my heart. Now I have this inner security. I have this foundation. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Do you see how, how your insides create your outsides? how you think about yourself, what your self-perception is, what your perception of your purpose is, what your perception of the plan is in relationship with other people. And man, guys, you don't want anything else driving, right? The springs of your heart, because out of the springs of your heart flow life other than God's love. Or you can look at it if you're a construction dude in terms of being, building the foundation. If you're gonna build a house, okay, the Bible says, a house is a metaphor for your life. If you're gonna build a house, you gotta have a strong foundation. And I, what I love about this, this passage is my ultimate hope in God is that through that ultimate hope, I get a new foundation. What's the new foundation? It's God's love pouring. Just get that picture, you know, back up the, the, con, the concrete truck, you know, that's mixing the concrete and has that little, that little slide that, 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 that goes in and it's pouring the foundation. But just imagine, this spiritual engine, right, of God himself, and God has this supply, this infinite supply of love, and he's just pouring that right in there. 
And my heart now is at peace. I know for a fact that I am fully loved. I know for a fact I'm fully accepted so I can stop chasing acceptance. I can stop chasing love from false sources, stop getting ripped off by false intimacy. I have the foundation of God's love. Wow. So, guys, you know, we look at ultimate hope and how how it gives us new peace. It gives us a new place. It gives us a new future. Ultimate hope gives us new knowledge, new character, a new foundation in God's love. So here we are. Now we have the battle lines are drawn. Okay? We can know this truth, but information from God without application, all right, leads to frustration. It's one thing to have all of these great benefits of having an ultimate hope, but not being able to realize them, right? Realizing there's a promise of new character and a new foundation and new peace and a new place and new knowledge and new character, all that stuff, but how do you get it, all right? So let's, let's finish up with this. The battle for God's man, this second, in light of what we have studied, involves three things, all right? And we're going to look at a passage from 1 Peter 1 that identifies those three, three things, all right? The battle right now, number one, get your hope right. Get your hope right. Remember, hope provides power, right? A strong hope drives strong actions, right? Remember, the guy wants to date the girl, has a relational hope. He takes a risk to ask her out. Why? Because he has relational hope. The guy who wants to get a bigger bonus check at the end of the month shows up at a place that can buy a lot of his stuff. Why? He has a financial hope, okay? So you got to get your hope right to get your motivation right. Look what it says in 1 Peter 1, 15 to 17. It says, so roll up your sleeves. Get your head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. There's your ultimate hope. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. Wow. There's a contrast of the old grooves, doing what you feel like doing, living for the immediate, versus getting your hope right, getting your, getting, your, getting your head in the game, be totally ready to receive the gift when Jesus comes. That's our ultimate hope. Jesus is coming. Life with him, forever with him, right? And that ultimate hope of pleasing him and, and having a great moment, no regrets, right? No regrets in the end, that means ultimate hope in the now. Get your hope right. Right? Secondly, we read in 1 Peter to get your head right. All right? Look what it says um, here in verses uh, 15 to 17. All right? It says, You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, right? There's the ultimate life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God says, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, there's the head part. Don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. You know, God loves you and God forgives you. 
but God loves you so much, he's not going to leave you the way you are. And the Bible says here, you didn't know any better then, right? So when I'm ignorant, I live for the immediate because I don't know there's an ultimate life. But for you, man of God, who know that there is an ultimate moment, there's an ultimate person, there's an ultimate plan who has ultimate purposes for me right now. If you have that ultimate hope, get your hope right, but your hope changes how you think about this life right now, right? Don't act now having ultimate hope like you did then. What does that look like? Let your life be shaped by God. And I love the language here in the passage, a life energetic and blazing with holiness, all right? You're becoming like him. God says, I'm holy, be holy. He wants you to have the family resemblance. He wants you to look like Christ. If you want to know what being holy looks like, it means becoming like him. That's what Paul said in our opening passage. That's what it says in Romans 8.29. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17 and 18. That's what holiness is. We're becoming like him. We're becoming like our king, becoming like our brother, Jesus, becoming... Um, you know, like our Lord. Jesus said, every student after he is fully trained will be like his teacher, right? We gotta get our head right and we gotta let our life be shaped by God's life and not forget that's his process. He's responsible for finishing that work in us. Was that work? Becoming like Jesus, all right? So get your, get your hope right. When you get your hope right, you're gonna get your head right. And when you get your head right, number three, you get your life right. Look at what the passage says here in 1 Peter 1, 18 to 21. It says, your life is a journey, right? You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately at the end of the ages become public knowledge God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. See, your life is a journey. Paul says when you have ultimate hope, it changes your journey, right? And you have to live and travel on this journey with a deep consciousness of God. But it all goes back to getting your hope right. Guys, I know that the battle for what you hope in is raging right now. Some of you, you've kind of shifted your hope from Christ over to hope in, in cultural movements, or maybe hope in politics, all right? Or maybe maybe hope in, in the dollar, you know? Or maybe hope in your identity at work, or hope in a new relationship. And God's going, that is not hope. None of those hopes will make you mature. Those are false hopes. You gotta get your hope right, and your hope is Jesus. And your hope is Jesus's ways. And your hope is Jesus' words and commands. And your hope is in the gospel. 
and your hope is in eternity. You need to stop living in the immediate, move over to who you really are and live for the ultimate. Then that, when you get your hope right, now your head's right. Your thinking is better, all right? You know, right? And now you start to live your life right. And what's the result right there on your notes? The result of getting your hope right, which gets your head right, which gets your life right, is an ultimate life, the best imaginable of its kind, right? driven by your ultimate hope, which is Christ. Look at what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. If you have your notes, read it with me out loud. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, listen, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Works of faith, labors of love, hope-inspired endurance. Think about that. Works of faith, labors of love, and hope-inspired endurance. I know that some of you are feeling like your sword in this battle is heavy. I get it. I get it. There's been a relentless assault on your life. Um, pain has come in, loss, even trauma. Um, and you know exactly what they are. God's speaking to you right now. And when you're in these places, there's immediate hopes and offerings offered by the world, the flesh, and the devil, and there's ultimate hope offered by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, you're open. And God is saying, don't, don't choose the immediate, the, the immediate feeling. Don't drown your sorrows. Don't make a foolish decision. Don't go down that path. I know I'm speaking right now to many men who they are about to go down a path of the immediate. They think it's the solution. And God is saying, stop. This is a signpost. Stop, make a left turn over here, right, to the immediate, I mean to the ultimate, to me, to my plans, to your hope, to heaven, and choose me, and choose my plan, even if you don't feel it. Choose it in faith, and when you get to that ultimate moment before me, you will not experience ultimate regret because you chose ultimate faith-filled obedience in the now. And that's where I want to want to close out. I want you to put your pencils down. I want you to stop where you are. I say this almost every live stream because, you know, there's thousands of men that are with us right now that are in coffee shops, they're on runs, they're at work, they're in their car, they're on a commute, they're in their favorite chair in their house with a cup of coffee. Wherever you find yourself, stop right now. We're going to have a time of prayer and we're going to we're going to we're going to battle in prayer, all right? So, wherever you are, stop. Take a seat, grab a knee, and we're going to go before God. And Father, we just want to tell you that you through the person of your son and the work of your son Jesus. That's our hope. You're our hope. Lord Jesus, 
and we we just want to get that right because we struggle in the now. We know that we're going to appear before you later, but we struggle in the now. And Jesus, I thank you that in this moment, there are men who are just saying with their, with their hearts right now, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to get my head in the game. And I am resetting my hope fully in you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I want not just my hope to be right, that you're the object of my hope, but I want that hope to change how I think. I want my head right, God. I want to think right about myself. I want to think right about other people. I want to think right about my purpose. And then I want to do right. So God, let my hope in Christ make me like Christ and think like him. And then Lord, help my hope and you changing my thoughts. Live, help me live an ultimate life. God, I know it's a journey. I got to travel. I want to be thinking about you when I wake up. I want to be thinking about you during my work hours and my day. I want to be thinking about you and your presence in my life every waking moment, God, so that I can trust you, God. And if I do that, God, I, was, I just want right now to ask that you do works of faith through me, that you accomplish labors of love through me. Lord, that you give me the endurance inspired by hope in Jesus that I need right now. God, I pray for every man whose, whose sword is feeling heavy. I pray for every man who's been beaten down by just financial hardship, God. I pray your provision would just flood from heaven toward him. I pray for every man, Lord, who just has been lied to about his marriage and he just his self-perception is, I don't have what it takes to make this marriage work. God says, you do. Don't give up. Inspire every man through the power of the Holy Spirit listening to the sound of my voice through his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And together, as God's men, we're saying amen all over the world. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Wow, what a great study in God's word. Reach out to us if uh, God is moving in your life. Go ahead and go to the website, info at Every Man Ministries. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know how we can help you. And we'll see you next Thursday.